Welcome ladies and gentlemen and listeners to a Panjo Creations at First. This is a podcast that uh, Phil Walters has dreamed up. Um, these podcasts will take us on a journey uh, through his adventures in Antarctica uh, in the mid-70s, a time which was quite different from what we see now. Technology has changed, our attitudes have also changed about how to operate in Antarctica. So let's just move on. Welcome, Phil Walter. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Phil. Um, first of all, what was your age to go on such an intrepid trip? Fresh out of university, 24 years of age. 24 years of age. Now, most people at that time were basically still at uni, getting their first car, you know, enjoying life, and you decided to go to Antarctica. What hooked you into that? All began at university. I managed to get a job with the Bureau of Mineral Resources of the day. And this is this is a whole other subject. Yeah. Just to give us a background yeah. of why you were hooked to I go... got the job with the Bureau of Mineral Resources. Sorry, then... you said, did you say mineral resource or mental resources? Mineral thing. <laughs> Sorry, just checking. Yeah. And they said in the interview, if you were asked to go to the Antarctic, would you mind? Jobs were pretty hard to get for graduates in those days. This was late 1975. I said, yeah, no problems. Did you actually know where Antarctica was? Just I had a general idea. Okay, had a general idea. So a boy from Newcastle goes to uni, gets the option or gets, gets told about a, a place to go to in Antarctica, and you jumped at it. Correct. All right. So we, what we're going to do is now is going to skip forward a few months and we're trying to uh, talk about a specific day in the life of Phil Walter in the Antarctic station. What's the station called? Mawson. Mawson Station. Now this episode follows them chasing the elusive... Uh, what did you hollow call it? Sorry, iceberg. hollow. I thought it was going to say, I was going to say empty. Hollow iceberg. iceberg. All right. Yes. So take us through from the day. What sort of... When, when, when was it in the year, if you know what I mean? The year was 1976. Yes. Yep. It was the month of November. November. Earlyish November. We still had reasonably solid sea ice. Just to just to clarify, around November it's starting to warm up. Yes. We're starting to get into a summertime. Yes. Uh, 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 season. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Balmy conditions. Balmy. <laughs> what do you call balmy? Minus five. No, no. This particular night, about ten o'clock at night. It was about four degrees, four, plus, plus four, four degrees. degrees. Plus now, four this degrees. was really something. This is and four degrees Celsius we're talking about. Celsius. Right, so. On top of that, there was no wind. Now, at Mawson, to get a day with no wind is really something, I can tell you. Because it's quite well known that that area is, has extreme winds. We're talking hundreds of kilometres an hour for days. Yes. Yeah. What do they call that? What's the name of that wind called? It's called There's the... a gravity-driven wind called catabatic wind. A gravity-driven. And the cold air just rushes off, it gets faster and faster, and by the time it hits the coast where we were, you got a howling gale. Catabatic winds were blowing all the time. Yeah. Where Mawson is situated is on a rocky outcrop that just juts out from the ice cliff coast where most of the Antarctic coast looks like just massive ice cliff mm. with a plateau towering behind it and with mountains poking up through that plateau in places. Mm. Now this particular rocky outcrop 
has a beautiful natural harbour which we call Horseshoe Harbour. Is it quite deep or is it? Yes, the ship when it came in it had to follow a, quite a windy path to follow a channel that got you in there, but mm. it, yeah, it was quite deep. So once you're in there you're fairly well protected? Very, yes, exactly. Yeah. Alright, sorry, we had digressed I'm afraid to say. Well, let's get back to the day in, mid, in November. It's an evening and the guys at Mawson Base are sitting around eating something, just enjoying the evening and then all of a sudden there's a rumour. On the notice board, oh. in the dining room. Sorry, it wasn't a rumour. There's a photo. photo. A photo taken by our official photographer, Murray Price, also the plumber. And it was of an iceberg with a big hole through it, a hollow iceberg. And when I saw this, I said to Murray, Murray, where is that iceberg? He says, points in a northerly direction, says somewhere out there. You're pointing to the ocean. Yes, yes. Ice covered ocean. At this. If you're going south, you're pointing to the Antarctic Plateau. Mm -hmm. So he said, I can't remember where it was. Thanks a lot, Murray. Is that the sort of thing that Murray does? Oh, I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, I you think know, it's like, a, like an exercise for the camp. Let's go and find this, yeah. this elusive yeah. iceberg. Yeah. Well, it was only a few nights later was when we came up to this balmy night, beautiful night, plus four degrees, sun still shining. Okay, I thought, I'm gonna saddle the dogs. So I went and saw my most common traveling companion, Gloom. AKA. John Tibbetts, Tibbetts. meteorological technician. It's in, in typical Australian style, Met everybody, everybody has a AKA a, a nickname of some kind. That's yeah. true. So you and Gloom decided as soon as we finished the meal, we're going to saddle up the dogs and go. Now, this, now, now, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand when they say, when he says saddle up the dogs, they're not going to ride the dogs. The dogs are going to pull a sled. Just to clarify, because it's not a, a Western where you go, yeah, it's time to go. Actually, we were in the far west, but <laughs> <laughs> roughly under Madagascar where we were. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So further along, yes? Yes. Anyway, before we went, as a third guy, Dave Scarborough, one of the radio operators, his leg was in plaster, I can't remember why. He said, I want to come to it. So, hmm. Hop to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can come. So he hobbles along after us. But we settled up the dogs. Now, we did something you're not supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is take the dogs down one by one to the shore, put, put them on the sea ice with the sled down there and hitch them all up there. Mm -hmm. It's quicker to take the sled up to the dogs and just get them to hitch them up and so, then take it down. Now, so the dogs are all on one continuous line, aren't they? All, all trained up. Each one has a separate line lead mm -hmm. yep. going to the sled and it's a fan formation yeah. that's the way we did it that particular year and it's actually a, a good safety thing because if a dog falls through the sea ice with the more traditional ways of saddling those dogs yeah one dog will drag the next one in and then the whole thing will go down yes this way if a dog falls in only one dog falls in and you can pull them out you pull them out yeah. yes never happened to us luckily but, but the dogs are renowned for knowing or can smell crevices in the ice oh they're, they're uncanny Sometimes you think you know where they should go, and they know better. Yeah. And you, just, you, you learn, when you're in treacherous conditions, give them their head. Mm. 
So that's that balance you have to work out with the, with another animal species that they have sensors that we don't have, and yes. they know they say no, we're going to override the master and go the other way, yes. and then you realise, oh, well, that was a good idea, wasn't yeah. it? So the idea was, when you're in certain situations, you don't tell them what to do, you let them tell you what to do. Yeah. Now, where we were when we left off was the dogs were being secured to the sled. Now, you said that this was not the right way to do it. Please continue. We were doing the incorrect way incorrect. with the dogs. Because Lars Larsen said, that's not how you do it. <laughs> we didn't need Lars Larsen to know that. Did you actually have to get permission, just to, as an aside, to take the dogs out? No. So any, any Tom, Dick and Harry in there, take the dogs for a walk, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Okay. It was all so very informal down there in those days. So we're tying, the, we're tying the dogs to the sled on a hill. Yes. Which is a no-no. The no-no was, was what happened next. Right. We took off from up the slope, went charging down the ice, bounced over the rough ice right on the shoreline, and eventually we got out onto the ice itself. But we so it was like a mad car skid. Getting out, boom, 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 boom. And, and don't forget, the third man in this had a broken leg and he was strapped to the actual sled. No, we did not take him down the hill. We weren't quite... Oh, well, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> so you course, skidded down the hill with the dogs, running mad, until he found some yes. sort of smoother... Generally, you got to this point, the dogs would decide they would like to fight. Oh, dogs okay. love to fight. That's their favourite They fight just because they love fight. Anyway, we finally got it all settled. Dave was mounted on the sled and off we went. Charging up the ice, beautiful night, magic. It's what you go, this is the sort of night that you go to the Antarctic for. When I say night, you know what I mean? It was daylight. Daylight. Because when did it actually, when does it actually sink below the horizon on a day like that? Ah, oh, probably about 11 o'clock or something. Okay, like so you had that. a good few hours of daylight left. Yeah. So you started about 10-ish? Yeah, maybe a bit before 10, something like that. I can't okay. remember the exact time. Okay, so we're off. We're All up. three of you. Three of us right. and the dogs, right. which was about seven in the, I think we settled up that particular one. Charging around the ice, having a good time, looking for the hollow iceberg, but not expecting to find it because you know, it's a pretty vast distance. We're cruising along, thing all's nice and peaceful. Suddenly Gloom yells out, what's that? I jumped through my skin and said, what? His eyesight, I think, was be better than mine, but squinting and looking carefully, I spotted it. There was an island poking through the ice, uh, and then just off near that, there it was, what looked like this strange-looking iceberg. So is it strange in the sense that it's just, it's sitting there on, it's, it's like grounded itself on the island? Clear. So how, what sort of size was it? Is that this because I forgot what, that, just oh. to ask you, you know, are we talking metres, we're talking a half a kilometre, or what? No, no, no. Jesus, how big would it be? About a couple of hundred metres across. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, about 30 metres up, something like that. So it right? wasn't too small. It was a very exotic iceberg, unlike most icebergs that you're likely to find over there. Mm, mm. So we headed off Straight there. Straight down and, there. And yeah? as we got closer, yep, that's it. That is Murray's hollow iceberg. Pulled up to it pretty quickly. Nailed the dogs down, so they were put in a very specific spot so that we could get on the other side of the iceberg and take a shot through the iceberg yep. with the dogs in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Behind that, there was the Antarctic 
Peninsula, and behind that again, there was it was Mount Henderson actually poking up. There's many mountains. So that's that that's that's planet. looking south, looking back yes. into the the landmass. Yes, okay. exactly. And this whole thing was framed by this iceberg. Yeah, Had perfect. So we snapped away for quite a while, but all around us you could hear a buzz. A buzz. A buzz. Yes, a buzz. But this is Antarctica. There's no other creatures other than mammals and birds around there are it? other creatures yes there are other expeditioners on oh. every vehicle <laughs> that would work every light enough vehicle that would work so not a bulldozer or so this is like a mad max scene with all charging across the desert on the way to, to, to find this elusive ice that's a pretty fair description yeah the others from miles and miles away spotted what we were doing and they figured out they have found the hollow iceberg because they all knew we were looking for it Suddenly they all converged from every direction to us. And in no time there was vehicles everywhere around the dogs. Wasn't quite as photogenic then, but it doesn't matter because we'd already taken our photos. Did you hear the beer open, passed around and that sort of... I can't remember, but I'm sure someone must have someone must have. I'm sure. Yeah. Because so everybody's, every, every man and his dogs was yeah, there. Oh, yes. Um, Good one, everybody's Pete. racing around getting the ultimate photograph. Yeah, but we already had that. Yeah. Well, actually, you were number two, weren't you? Because you weren't the first. Okay, Murray beat us. Murray, it's called Murray's, Murray's Hollow Murray's Iceberg. Murray's Hollow Iceberg. Yeah. yeah. They were still there snapping away. We thought, right, it's time to head back. So we loosened up the sled, loaded Dave Scarborough back onto the sled, and off we went. Off we went. Back to base. So what's the, what, the, tell us what the, the, the sound is of getting going. The dogs are barking, they're excited to go home, there's a lot of arf, 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 arf. They're yeah. are they having a bit of a fight or they, they know it's going home? No, 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 they don't normally fight, fight at this time. When they sense they're going home, they just want to get home. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the command is? When we want to head off, it's ready boys, mash. Is it mush, 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 or just mush? Just mush. Just mush. One mush. Is there a whip with that? You can use a whip. Yep. We, we had whips. Now, we only, they only came in contact with the dogs, and not in the traditional whip sense. It was just hitting them on the shoulders, preferably. Yeah, it's just tap. Yeah, because uh, you, you had to know how to hit them in such a way that they would yelp and carry on like little kids, but you weren't hurting them. Yeah. Because there's a strong relationship between man and and dog in the sense that yes they would never attack you never but they would they do fight amongst themselves like yes. squabbling kids do you say you had to learn to earn their respect you do you can't just walk up to them and go hey let's go this way they go ha who do you think yes. you are i mean when we spotted the iceberg i yelled out right dan and dan our lead dog did a straight right turn and headed straight to where we wanted to go now, if I had done that early in the year, you probably would have turned left just to spite me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to play games. Yeah. Oh, he was a fiendish dog, that one. But it shows that they have, a, they have their own sensibility. Oh, yes. They, they have their... respect. They learn to respect you, you know, and they'll do what you want because they can hear the tone in your voice. Yeah. Whereas when you're a, a newbie, they just get, ah, let's just try That's this. That's exactly us. what they do. Yeah. So we're heading back. Everybody's, ex everybody's got their photos. Uh, it's like a, it's, it's a race home. You wouldn't race home against the motorised ones. You can't compete with them on speed. They just go. They, they just go. In a cloud of smelly, yes, dirty, yes, smelly exactly. smoke. Yeah. Yeah. We just said smelly dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've seen photos of, yeah. of dogs actually peeing on the run. 
Yeah, those things happen. Yeah. Anyway, we got home pretty quickly because the ice was nice and firm and quite slippery at that time of year. Then you went into the ritual. First off, take the dogs off the sled. One by one, you take them up the hill. And one by one, you put them on the dog line. Right. You then give them a good pat, let them know that you appreciated their services, very important. Mm -hmm. Give them something to eat. Uh, and it could be their nighttime meal, quite likely. So, oh, so that's another thing. Um, how often are they fed? As a, as a rule? They get fed once a day with a big pemmican block. So this is this, this square block of something or other? Concentrated all sorts of stuff. So it's actually one... designed by the army. Yeah. It's similar to what they used in the world wars. Okay. For soldiers. So it's a fr is it frozen or is it just sort of solid? Very ice? hard and often frozen solid because most of the year it's well below freezing. And very concentrated, dehydrated. So the dogs would eat plenty of snow while they, they munch these things. Some would gobble them quickly, others would sort of salivate and keep them for hours and they all <laughs> did, did it differently. They did get supplements because there's a lot of dead seals and penguins around. Just so lying they, around? They were. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they yeah. would be. So they'd be collected and used as supplements for dogs as well. Now, was it frowned upon to give them a little treat now and again, you know? Because you start to get to like these little guys, you know, Dan, Dan the dog, you know, he gets a little bit of extra. We never did do that. At least oh. I never did. Gee, you horrible blokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got back, you've put the dogs on the line. Yeah. And this is just a line in the sand that's been pegged down. Well, there was two chains yeah. uh, going up there and, and they were just on a chain off this master chain. And they didn't, and they didn't, they didn't stay indoors or, you know, when it gets really bad? Or... No. If a blizzard blew... They would let the, the um, snow blow over them to keep them warm from mm. the snow. Mm. So like a snowy blanket. Yes, exactly. Oh. We did have to go and inspect them to make sure they were all right in those conditions. But that's how they kept warm. Sometimes a dog might be sick or something. You'd, they'd chain them up by a kennel. They wouldn't go inside. Mm -hmm. They'd blizzard blowing, they'd still stay outside. They don't like to be inside, yeah. 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 So it's that still they've got that wild animal... Yeah. yeah, that's what they're used to, and that's that's how they that's how they live. Yeah. Really, where all the, all the seals and everything go? They all go. Okay. No penguins hanging around. No. Okay. Nothing. Mm. All right. So we've got to getting you back to the base. You've tied up all the dogs. You've fed them. Gave them a nice pat. And what happens then? You trudge off to your accommodation. Well, you, you don't go to sleep. That would be dreadful. You go up the dining room. You all sit around and. Uh, yarn about the trip and argue about meanings of words goodness knows what you couldn't google anything in those days and then when you got sick of that and munching food and bullshitting around and drinking you go to bed then oh so you, you'd go to bed maybe three o'clock in the morning or something like that yes, yeah, and, and then get up at what six again in my case i had a routine for changing records every morning so i had to get up at a certain time come what may yeah so, you got that you just woke up yeah. oh, right that's right, you just got, it was just part of your routine. So when you talk about changing records, did they have some sort of recording system that you were dealing with that and they just take like a, a tube off and then yeah, store so this it? Yes, this is all photographic recording. And yeah. this, this is a topic for another day. Yeah, it's, yeah, sure. It's how just, that all worked. Yeah. But uh, with my magnetic instruments, I actually used the same equipment that they used hundreds of years before. Wow. It's quite amazing. 
We've still got a lot of training then. to yeah. learn how to use these things. I suppose now it's just press the computer That's right, button. Exactly. Dee -dee -dee. Yeah. No skill needed anymore. All right. So, Phil Walter, thank yes, you sir. for being our first podcast person for Panjo Creations. Uh, we hope to do several more um, episodes of your great trip to Antarctica. And, and also you're taking us in a snapshot of a time gone by, back in the 70s, which was a different era. You make me feel old now, Pete. Well, that's okay, that's okay. But if you really were a young, adventurous guy. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. hey, hats off to you. Thank and you. And I'm sure hopefully you did some great work there that, that we've been able to use in the future. I do have some YouTube videos on, on this. Uh, Are you doing self-promotion now, Phil? Yes. Okay, so actually that's a good, that's a good segue because uh, Phil has done several YouTube videos with, what's the one, Frankenfurter the Crazy Penguin? Franken-Penguin. Sorry, Franken-Penguin. Yes, very yeah. vicious. Um, the Dogs. Yeah, there's one on the Dogs. And there's another one? Yeah, there was one on the Great Vehicle Rescue Mission where oh. it was just one calamity after another. Yep. This is the sort of professional things that happen down in Antarctica where a bunch of young men decide to go off and do adventures and then get themselves in all sorts of trouble. Thank you so much and we look forward to the next exciting episode. Thank you Peter. We will deliver on that. Okay. And 3, 2, 1, cut! <laughs>